as like the hot ore item right now. Yeah, I thought it was very uh, beautiful. I thought it was uh, filmmaking wise done extremely well. It was just a little light on lore. Yeah, and I needed I needed something more to like compel me to give a shit about yeah. it. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it had a great setup. I thought the setup was awesome. Um, yeah, and the first act was not fun is not the right word but it it, like set the stage from interesting stuff like all the all the characters had great chemistry i i thought all the actors were really good uh, especially for being on the younger side and like the main girl was great yeah she was great and so it's like it's it sucks having so much praise about it and just to say but like the story was kind of ass do you know what i mean like i don't want to yeah but it's like i don't know how to say it it i mean i could have said much nicer than that honestly but you know i i i thought i was so high on that montage of them doing all the possession stuff super fun yeah the way that it was shot edited the music with it it was just it was firing on all cylinders like if it had kept that type of energy throughout i liked it when the kid like you know bashed his head into the thing like that was really great very frightening but like overall i was kind of like eh, all right cool yeah i I mean 90 minutes i guess pretty much everything beyond that point i'm kind of like okay sure if i i saw another review say this but it really felt like they kind of reverse engineered stuff from the ending um yeah maybe i I don't want to say too much because it's still out there and people still you know maybe still haven't seen it but um, have you seen though that they pulled a pearl basically yeah and did a whole prequel movie about those two guys from the very beginning at the same time oh okay, so see, even before they knew it was gonna be a hit i didn't know that part i didn't i knew that there was a prequel like in the works i didn't know it was already shot which is insane that's what i read and I don't know if I misremembered in, in some way or yeah. another, but I mean, yeah, I'm, like, no, I'm they sure. were like this they is, were on it. This that seems like that's something that is maybe uh, not a trend, but it's like maybe Pearl and X taught people, hey, it's possible, and so why not? If you got if you're so low budget that you just have enough <laughs> left over for another, you know, a whole another movie, use it. Yeah, um, very funny. I just like, I mean, I guess it. Uh, Eh, not really recommendations. It was fine, but I recently watched the uh, the Richard Donner cut, Superman two, and like oh yeah, looking into the production history on Superman, how they that was the thing that they were doing then. We we're shooting the movie and we're shooting the sequel at the exact same time, and we're basically only paying everybody for one movie as opposed to two. That was like the weird tax, like the weird you know like way to rip people off in that day. Somehow mm-hmm. that they didn't have to pay Christopher Reeve for two Superman movies. He really only signed one, con- one contract, you know. And I'm sure that helped out with Marlon Brando, only having oh, to pay yeah. him, like, what, $5 million or $2 million, I something mean, like he, that. No, he got something, like, he got he made out, like, crazy because he ended up suing and winning for all that nonsense. Because, um, like, he did not give his permission to for his likeness to be used in two films, but they were going to use him in two films. So they kind of cut a they cut him out completely of the original cut of two, um, but he ended up making a bunch of money anyway because he won the suit. So kind of a Crispin Glover mm-hmm. situation a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, all this said, 
I, I'm very happy that we still have horror movies making it big at the box office in a day where people are saying theaters are dying, which look it's you know true to some extent, but like successes like Barbie and Oppenheimer, and then smaller scale successes like Talk to Me, like they're important, and so uh, it's great that people are seeing it at the very least. Yeah, I you know I I would still say to go to the theater. I went and saw Oppenheimer yesterday in IMAX again, and. As I was coming out, there was like a 7.15 of Barbie. I'm passing by the door. And it is a pretty full theater for a, a Monday, like th- three weeks after release. I was going to say, like for that. a you movie know, approaching a month old, yeah. It's pretty crazy, yeah. I saw Talk to Me at a, like an, like a little independent theater here. Um, and it was only me and two other people in the theater, but... That would have been a fun movie with the crowd. I think that the actual horror imagery in it is really strong. Like, there are some really great scares in Talk to Me. And that would have been a blast with a big audience, I think. It would have worked perfectly because it could have fit into this month as well. It could have fit into this month. And you know what? Not only that, but I feel like it has a lot uh, of relation to today's movie. Today's movie that we're talking about on The Weekly Podcast Massacre. My name is Greg, and I'm coming to you from Los Angeles, and with me is my co-host. Hello, my name is Michael from Portland. Everyone calls me Murphy. Yeah, I don't know why I feel so showy today. That felt very, like, you know, I don't know. Uh, well, you are in Holly Weird, so. I Yeah, you're right, man. Uh, and, and I don't know, it's recording later in the day than we usually do, and maybe I've just, like, I don't know. At this point, all the caffeine has really settled in. That I've been drinking it's a different today. energy, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I said my name like that because uh, this month, uh, you know, we are talking all about specters and spooks and uh, another word I can't think of for ghosts. That starts with the Ness. I'm sure <laughs> there is one. But hey, no, it's all ghost on the Weekly Podcast Massacre. So every month we look at a different theme or subgenre of horror. And for August, for all ghosts, it's ghosts. Anything that was once dead returning as a spirit, uh, you mm-hmm. know, bothering the living with their with their problems unresolved in, in their lifetimes. And we're talking about a real big one today. Like, this is huge, um, both for me personally, in terms of my horror blind spots, and in just for the film, the, the horror genre in general. Like, a, a movie that launched a franchise... Not just in one country, not just on one continent, but a worldwide nope. franchise. Yeah. Although, from my research, it didn't exactly launch it. It's, this was not the first entry in this franchise, weirdly. Not the first adaptation no. of this book, even. I just learned about this today. Yeah. yeah. I And I didn't even know it was originally a novel. Yes, originally a novel. Uh, we're talking about, let's just say, we're talking about Ringu, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. The Ring, or Ring, um, it's kind of got different names based on where you are, but most people know it as Ringu in the West, I think. It's an easy way to differentiate it from its American remake starring Naomi Watts. Um, Which you did not view before no, this No, I haven't movie, seen it. Right? I, I, I wanted to try to find time to watch it before this, but like I had to watch this one twice. Well, I didn't have to, but I wanted to. Um, right. And I just didn't get enough time to watch The Ring, but I, I will watch it. I'm going to continue on with this franchise, I think, just on my own. 
I I I want to do uh, more of the viewings of I guess just the Japanese ones because I've seen all of the American films. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll try to like not keep referring everything to the American remake, uh, which was the first one I saw. But it is one of those movies where I think they had a smashing idea uh, that is pretty well executed and. Uh, Gore Verbinski comes and just knocks a fucking homer with it. Yeah. I, as, like, I kept watching this both times. Well, I saw this one maybe a year and a half ago for the first time. And I was like, all right, where, where's this beat? All right, where's, okay, but this is gonna, no, okay. And, uh, I, I really, showing my hand a little bit, like this movie, but the American one, I think they just, they really knew yeah. what they were doing. They had, they had more, uh, funds to play with and it is uh visibly there that seems to be the, like the the like you know very the, the, like, the accepted consensus on this i think is that i everything i was reading about this every letterbox review i would go into everyone saying like well it's not the gore verbinski version but it's pretty good you know what i mean like everyone kind of defers to verbinski's ring so i i'm excited to watch it um Weirdly, like, I mentioned how this launched this franchise. Did you see the other fact that the sequel to this, the adaptation of the sequel book, came out at the exact same time this first movie did? So it was instantly a film franchise, too. It's like yeah. a little-known movie called Spiral. Not the... <laughs> not the Shutter original movie about a gay couple. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, Spiral. And not or spy over on the spiral. book of Saw, Chris Rock yeah. Spiral, yeah. So uh, no, originally, so you got the original novel, um, and then you have a sequel to the novel called Spiral, uh, which gets adapted the exact same time this does. And so it, this is a very odd beast, and I think it just goes to show how differently things kind of work in the Japanese film industry, in Japanese entertainment industry. Like um, this was adapted between the book coming out and the movie. This was adapted into like a television movie, like a two-part TV series, I think. Yeah. Um, so uh, which is available on YouTube that I and I want to check it out pretty yes. soon. And so that's and then you have Ring Two after this, a Japanese Ring Two. Then you have American Ring Two. Then you got Ring Zero, I think. And then there's all sorts of things going on here. It, it, it's big. It's it's expansive. I also didn't get a chance. I was I was legitimately going to try to play it before this. There is a playstation video game a ps1 game based off of Ooh. ringu in the style of like resident evil but like i didn't okay. get a chance to, to play it i've heard it's, it's not very it's from good. that time though yes right it's not like okay yeah this, wow this I, came out i would be very interested to see that maybe there's like a youtube playthrough there is that yeah. i could watch that okay I've, that'd be great i've seen reviews of it i think i was just kind of at one point looking for a game like resident evil to play because I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, and I love that old style. And um, I think I remember watching like a video of it to see how it is, and it, I remember seeing it's not very good, but it would have been fun to play it for this this podcast and give a little report on it. But sadly, I can't do that. Um, to talk a little more about the movie before we then give some recommendations for non-horror stuff, uh, this was directed by Hideo Nakata. Uh, and I just looked something up, because I was I was curious i couldn't remember who directed ring two right 
uh, the American Ring 2. Look it up. It's this motherfucker. It, whoa, really? He directs Ringu. He directs Ring 2. He comes to America and directs Dark Water, which is another Japanese right. uh, import with uh, Jennifer Connelly. Interesting. And okay. then after that, he directs The Ring 2. Yeah. Which, from what I remember, was not a great movie. I watched this on Canopy, and it kept suggesting Dark Water to me afterwards. Yes. Yeah. I don't know which one it was Which is another, I want to go but... and watch the original. Yeah. Because I, I was working at the movie theater when Dark Water came out. I remember there was a giant poster mm. of Jennifer Connelly, so I got to come in every day and stare <laughs> up at Jennifer Connelly. Hey, lucky it you. It was a great yeah. job. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Ringu stars Nanako Matsushima as Reiko Asakawa, and again, apologies if any of these names are incorrect. Um, we have Hiroyuki Sanada as Ryuji Takayama, who I, I can talk God, more so about him later, but yeah, incredibly God. handsome, and it was one of those things where it's like, man, I know this guy's face, I absolutely know him as an actor, what else has he been in? I'm, I'm expecting, like, his IMDb to come up with, you know, a bunch of other Japanese movies I that I may or may not have seen. But no, this guy is like made the crossover to the US. Like he's he in so he much did. stuff. Um yeah. the first thing I ever really saw him in, I think, was Lost. Right. And he just kind of pops up in the the sixth season. And then it was like, every time you need a Japanese actor like yes. and um can Ken Watanabe is like unavailable. Right, you go to this guy. I feel like uh, he's, I think he's in Westworld. Yeah, he's, he's in Westworld. Really good in Westworld. I feel like uh, Watanabe is a little less action oriented. Like he's not going to do an action scene. This guy will. This guy like That's is true. like a martial artist. Because uh, the thing that popped out to me immediately was John Wick Four, which he's got a big role oh. in the first act. Yeah, that is right. That is right. Um, real quick, did you know that Ken Watanabe like owns a cafe? No, we're, I mean, there's a great video I watched of like an American guy in Japan. You know, there, there's that's a whole thing of YouTube of oh, like yeah. foreigner, uh, you know, American expats in other places. Uh, but he was like interviewing Ken Watanabe, who owns this cafe like in a little town that like had been destroyed by tsunami or something. And he like goes there and serves people and just hangs out, and it's like no big deal. That's he's always there to like um give opinions on the menu and all these changing things oh my god he, he seemed like such a authentic person it, yeah. it was amazing i i gotta go i gotta go i mean like i know i know of that youtube subgenre because i have watched plenty of videos of people exploring the godzilla district of tokyo so mm. yeah usually i'm just watching like the vending machines of japan <laughs> and, like all the different food that they're oh, able yeah. to eat but you know yeah that's um, it's, it's something to do. But yes, Hiroyuki Sonata rules. Uh, I also saw he was in Bullet Train recently. Like, the, and yeah. 47 Ronin. The guy is all over the place. Uh, so we also have uh, uh, Rikia Otaka as Yuichi Asakawa, Reiko, and Ryuji's son. Um, and then the rest of the cast is all mostly supporting people. But the, one of the other big ones to mention is... Uh, is Ria Inoo as Sadako Yamamura, um, who is our villain and our ghost and makes a big impact. It's a great performance with not a lot of screen time, but it really mm-hmm. is memorable. Um, we also have just a couple others. Miki Nakatani as Mai Takano. We have, uh, let's see, um, 
who is the mother? Where is she? Oh, yeah. Uh, I did, maybe didn't write her down. But we also have... Uh, no, that, that's it. That's good for Cass. I'll call others as I see them. Anyway, that's uh, a little bit of background on the ring or Ringu. Do we have recommendations for non-horror books, TV, movies, comics, video games? I My life since the last time we recorded has been consumed by, uh, you know... A lot of horror stuff. I did finish Jury Duty. It's it's great. great. I was surprised how much I laughed at the reveal episode where they're going through. Yeah. And just, you know, giving out all these little moments of, of where he should have picked up that things were weird. Dude, I can't remember I the it. name of it. it. It's not she-thing, but like the thing where... Oh, you know, the guy uh, just inserts himself soaking. and another person soaking. jumps on. So yeah, yeah. soaking, soaking. One of maybe one of the funniest things oh, yeah. in the world is that like little video that they made. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast of, and James uh, Marston. <laughs> yeah, the actors in that scene. Uh, the I forget her name, but the the woman, the woman, she posted like a full, like a longer clip of that of them recording that on social media. And it's very funny. Oh. Like the actors, I'll like have to find that. the actors, all breaking as they try to record it, and like, yeah, it's great. Uh, but yeah, I like I said, I saw Oppenheimer yesterday. It was fantastic again. It was uh, everything I wanted. Nice. So nice. beautiful. So, it was the last chance to see it on IMAX because oh, Blue Beetle starts tomorrow. <laughs> I know we're all excited about Blue Beetle. Um, not to just like read, you know, other people's works. Uh, here, the, but I saw a great um, headline from Hard Drive News, a very funny, you know, like tech and video game focused, like comedy news parody website. And they said like, oh, the movies you should watch to understand or, you know, before seeing Blue Beetle. And it like the body of the article just said, it helps if you've seen no other movies ever before watching Blue Beetle. <laughs> um yeah, it has to be the best movie ever if you've never seen another movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't lose in that scenario. Yeah, exactly. Um, I saw. Uh, hey, keeping it you know semi relevant in terms of it, the country, but I saw Akira Kurosawa's Ron on Sunday. And oh, that's right. Fucking amazing, amazing movie. I think you said you hadn't seen it before, right? I have not. You saw it at New Beverly, right? And so yeah, it was so like it was on 35. Oh. It was a newer, Oof. it was a newish print too. Like it was made in 2011. Okay. Like Rialto oh, Pictures okay. who produced it like, or uh, distributed it maybe. I guess they still pretty regularly will make new prints of of movies that they have done. So Interesting. It looks fantastic. It, it's a great movie. And it's like, it's so stunning. And there's so many parts of it that are like some of the most incredible like depictions of combat I've seen in a movie, um, like really intense stuff, and really getting at like the uh, the shocking nature of violence, um, and just like incredible work. I mean, some of the best directing of samurai action I've ever seen. Still, not even my favorite Kurosawa. It's like a perfect five. Star, it's like almost a five star movie. It's so good. It's a little slow, and I think that's what keeps it from being the best Kurosawa. But like. It's fucking fantastic stuff. It's a it's a great movie that everyone should see. Yeah, I got to put it in. I I bought the steel book. Yeah, it, it's it's awesome. It's very good. Um, I don't have much else because we're recording these pretty close together. So, uh, it's my life's been dominated by by Ringu the past couple of days by watching the movies and then reading up on some folklore stuff and the history of the franchise, which is really fascinating. 
Yeah, I did a I did a ring sandwich. I did Ringu, Naomi Watts, and then Ringu. Nice. Put them together. Great. Um, hey, let's start talking about the movie then. Uh, came out in 1998. Uh, as I said, was technically the second adaptation of this story uh, from the novel from 1992. Apparently the novel was like only a really modest success. It's not like it broke the huh. Japanese literature world wide open or anything. Like, Interesting. I think it was popular, but it wasn't like a sensation. And then the TV series comes out. Again, I think was kind of whatever. But something about this movie coming, I think, at the end of the 90s, being about technology in the way it is. Um, it's weird that at the time it must have felt so modern for a ghost story. And now being about a like haunted VHS tape it is back to it's feeling so dated. archaic. Yeah. But at the time it must have been like really kind of groundbreaking and, and fresh. Um, which on I still feel some freshness from it, honestly. So a couple of things about it. Like there is a a lot of differences between this and the book that I was reading about. So the main character was changed from a man to a woman. Their marital status was changed from happily married to divorced. And I think that that is a massive change that does give this movie a lot of unique elements. There is, I think it, it makes it work much better. Yeah. yeah, there's something really interesting in the main character's relationships with her, her ex-husband and her son in this. That it sounds like the book is maybe a lot more lore heavy. Like it really gets into okay. like the experiments that were done on Sadako. Um, Interesting. Sadako herself is not exactly even a woman. It's like an intersex person that has both male and female genitalia, which is a massive change. Hey. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it, I, there was a lot of nonsense I was reading about other characters in the franchise that I it sounds like this the book series goes to some insane places. I'm sure the movies oh, do man. too. But I gotta put these on my list. That sounds phenomenal. Yeah. I'm surprised you're not coming out swinging with this is a Toho production. I was gonna get to that. Do you know how okay, happy I right. was to see that title card pop up? I, I associate that title card with Godzilla and therefore oh, nothing yeah. but pure joy. Yeah. It was great. No, I love seeing Toho. Um I, I think that it and it's like they have a history of just like, I mean, I don't know how many production companies there are in Japan total, but it seems like Toho has a track record of putting out like the most successful and iconic because like, you know, or kind That's of movies what we know in general. Japan yeah. for. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're huge. Um, I mean, not only did they have like in 1955, I know they released both Godzilla and Seventh Samurai, like both, you know, two of the greatest Classics. movies ever made. Yeah. And then... In this at this time when this came out, this was the highest grossing horror movie ever in Japan's history. It might still be. I think it was maybe only eclipsed by another movie in the same franchise, but I could be wrong about that. Um, maybe Juon got in there too. I know Juon, which is closely related and was kind of riding this wave, like also did crazy numbers. Right. Uh, at later at some point, they do the crossover where it's yeah uh, Sadako versus whatever the yuan grudge that's thing that's is. their freddy versus jason yeah exactly so to get into the backstory a little bit this series is sort of inspired by a classic japanese ghost story or a kaidan a kaidan is like a type of japanese folklore storytelling about usually about vengeful ghosts but it was like a weird sort of challenge in the edo period 
of to, to it was like a verbal sort of storytelling to come up with these like spooky ghost stories. They often involve some sort of moralistic lesson. Uh, they often involve a sort of like Buddhistic karma situation going on where characters get punished for misdeeds, right? Or people in general get punished for misdeeds. Or somebody dies and comes back as a vengeful spirit that... There's a curse. Yeah, right. exactly. So there's one of this about this woman named Okiku, uh, which is a the name of a flower. And it was about a servant girl who was pursued by um, this samurai. He wanted to like make her his lover and she refused him several times he ended up killing her and throwing her body into a well um her spirit started to return to wreak havoc and haunt the samurai she her her whole backstory involved a missing plate and so she would come into the castle where she worked and count the plates and there was a plate missing because a samurai hid one because he was going to get her in trouble and each time she counted the plates, if you heard her count to nine, you would die shortly afterwards. Um, oh. They eventually dispel her spirit by counting to ten. It's a very bizarre story. Um, okay. So Sounds a little telltale heart. Yes. Maybe Poe took some of that. Yeah. It could, could be. So anyway, they take this idea of a ghost emerging from a well, um, a woman who was wronged in her life by somebody who may or may not have been her lover... You know, it's kind of up in the air in this movie a little bit, right? There's kind of an implication there. Um, Yeah. It's possible. We don't know for certain. But, uh, you know, somebody who was wronged, their body thrown into a well, they return and they place a curse on anybody who views them. So in this original story, if you hear Count to Nine, in The Ring, it's if you watch the videotape, um, which depicts her final resting place of where she was murdered. Uh, So, well... one of the things I want to get into, because uh, it's something that's very interesting. It's called, like, Ninsha. Yes. And it is an yeah. actual thing. It is thought photography is kind of the basic terminology of it. Uh, I first thought about, or discovered this from an X-Files episode that talks of about course. this. Of being able to mentally project an image from your head. Um, and in the X-Files episode, it was, like, undeveloped film uh, camera film right that the killer is just like coming into a little f- a pharmacy and all of the the film in there is then like his mental image of him kidnapping and torturing this woman yes uh i can't wait to get to it i will eventually um yeah it's also known as thoughtography which i i like nensha a lot better thoughtography is kind of a clumsy word i think but right. uh it seems to be especially popular though in like japanese like spiritual um you know like ideas like they they seem to really get into the idea of projecting spirits especially spirits and feelings and thoughts and all this stuff onto physical objects like they really like this it seems like uh so that's where it comes from it's it's sort of like a modern adaptation of an old folklore you know like ghost story and as we see throughout the movie it's got like elements of like the sort of like what would you call them chain letters you know, like, hey, a curse is placed on you right. until you pass it to somebody else. Um, right. There's a lot of urban myth ideas to it. It reminded me of Candyman a lot in that aspect. Um, you know, I would say Sadako is very, like, similar to Candyman. It's somebody who was wronged in life coming back to take their vengeance, not on just their killer, but on humanity at large, right? On anybody who is, like, brave enough or dumb enough to... Like, play the game, essentially. 
Yeah, and they get into it a little bit just talking about, like, how stories like these will happen or evolve. Like, maybe it's someone who just is, like, uh, trying to evoke a certain feeling or, like, unease in other people. Or it's just, you know, like, telephone. You get uh, relating it to another person. It changes just slightly. So when they tell it to someone else, it changes even, you know, even more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so I I think it's all adds up to a really fascinating movie and one that when I first watched it, like, you know, the first watch for this podcast, it was a little like kind of, ah, okay, I liked it, you know, but it wasn't literally grabbing me what was like super special about it. But then the more I read about Kaidan and how it kind of fits into Japanese folklore and then like watching it a second time, you notice all these interesting things it does and talking about this kind of moralistic you know, idea that like these these stories were told as a way of like passing on sort of like morals or ideas. Like there there's something that emerges from this one that I think is pretty interesting um, and somewhat subtle. I wouldn't say it's like really called out, but we'll get to it as we talk through the. Oh plot. no, yeah. yeah. So we start with an opening shot of the sea, which on a first watch you're just like, okay, nice little atmospheric huh? shot. Comes into play a lot more as you watch it a second time. And you learn about the significance of water in Japanese folklore tales. Water is seen as a portal to the underworld. And so what we're doing is this movie is setting us up. We're going into a dark place of the of spirits and the dead. Like that is a sort of way to, to kind of telegraph to us where we're kind of going in this movie. So that's pretty fascinating. Um, we start on September 5th, where a girl is recounting the story of a boy who was killed after watching a videotape a week later uh, after getting a phone call saying, you're going to die. The girl she's telling it to is Tomoko. She seems kind of unfazed by the story. And she's like, well, he dies a week later, right? So she's heard the story. Um, we learn that she has been to a cabin with a bunch of friends, so someone named Yoko in particular. And on this trip, they watched this videotape. They got a call. They all kind of think it's a joke. They don't really take it seriously. But there is some tension when the phone actually does ring at this point. Hey, it's a fake out. Guess what? It's mom saying there's extra innings in baseball and we'll be home late. This is the first instance of this theme that keeps popping up of parents not watching their children, which is a huge part of this movie. Yes. Yes, it is. And it's uh, one that, again, I'm going to not like continuously compare it to the American, but they yeah. give the child a lot more of that like grown-upness in the American version. Right. Like, you feel that he is more responsible, and, you know, the mom, like, Naomi Watts is great in it. She feels like, oh, Flighty, it is basically her character from uh, Down. That was the American <laughs> remake, right? Yeah, it she's really a spunky that, reporter. Like, she's a journalist. She's kind of like, oh, whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, that that is a very interesting thing of just like children left alone at home. Yeah, and getting into again, trouble. The stories right. they make up and tell each other to try to like frighten the right. other person that they're with. Or just the things you do, like you, you're you're at home alone, you're bored, you're maybe with a friend or a sibling, and like you hear about something that is dangerous or scary, and you try it for yourself. It's just that thing of like, it, Bloody maybe, Mary, yeah, exactly, man, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I did just want to call out, there's like a nice box of Ritz crackers I, in the background. It's weirdly like prominently displayed, in the, yes, in her room. Yeah. Just, since it's like in English, you're like, your eyes are just drawn to it. Mm-hmm. There's another instance of English writing in this that really jumped out at me. But <laughs> yeah. uh, So we also, I just, I just really like the little setup too, like when she's telling the story about being at the cabin. It's just like... Oh, you were all at the crusade at the cabin with everyone, and they kind of play with fight, a boy. and she's like, "Nothing yeah. happened." I really like that, just in terms of building the, the friendship of these two girls. We only meet for three minutes, you know. Uh, the TV turns itself on after the phone call. Uh, Tomoko goes and turns it off. She's starting to get really tense, and then she suddenly just turns around and turns negative. That's our sign that people, someone's been got by Sadako. It's pretty cheesy. That's one of the more it dated is. aspects of this, I think. And it's one of the things of, like, they didn't have a budget to do right. what Verbinski does. And it, like, it is one of the best, like, kind of jump scares of the early 2000s. Okay. Like, I don't know if you've even seen that, but there is, Probably like, you not. see, and it's just, like, a quick flash of, like, what it does to their face. And you get that a couple times in the movie. Okay. Uh, in the, the American version. Again, I'm going to try to not talk about it as much. Yeah, I'm very it's excited hard, to It's watch hard it. not to reference it. Because right. Because it, it is so good. Uh, we cut to Asakawa interviewing students about the idea of the tape. And again, they kind of relay the story. You watch it, you get a phone call, and then a week later, to the minute, essentially, you die. Um and she seems very nonchalant about yes. what's ever, like, what is happening. Like, okay, Which that's fun. Which is wild, because we pretty quickly learned that Tomoko was her niece. Like, she, or so, Tacomo. Wait, I have it both ways in my notes. Which is it? Uh, uh-oh. It's Tomoko. Um, Tomo- yeah, I think so. M before K, Tomoko. Uh, we learned that Tomoko was her actual niece. And so, uh, she's doing this, these interviews. She comes home to her son... And he's dressed for the wake slash funeral. He had to dress himself. She comes home, she's shocked to see it. And he's like, well, yeah, we're going to Tomo-san's, um, you know, like, funeral. Like, I have to be ready. Uh, she's... It's a little more subtle in this version. But yeah. they, they really hammer home have, like, their connection. The uh, Yoichi... Yoichi or... I, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be bad at all these. The son <laughs> and then Tomoko. Right, like that they had more of a relationship. She was usually watching him while the mom was working, and he would go and play in her room when they when he was visiting the aunt's house and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he asks if kids die too, and she says, "Well, sometimes they get sick." Um, so this is clearly really fucking uh, with sometimes him. Sometimes more than sick. Yeah, sometimes exactly. They yeah, are. yeah. Right. Uh, sometimes they're bludgeoned and thrown in a well. We learn. I guess I don't think Sadako was that young. I think but, she was yeah. like a well, yeah, like teenage, early twenties, probably. Right? Yeah, she was pretty tall. In when you see that flash yeah. of it, so. Uh, but yes, clearly this has really fucked him up. The fact that his cousin died, and his mother really is not doing a good job of talking to him about this loss. Um, instead, she's like, "Hey, zip me up. We're going, and don't talk about it with your aunt. Like, just don't even mention it." Uh, <laughs> so uh, we go to the wake and you know they're kind of like hey this is kind of weird that like they did an autopsy even though there was no crime they couldn't find they were, it's a closed, it's a closed casket, casket. what's too. going on with this yeah uh, during the funeral slash wake uh, Yuichi sneaks away and this is one of the creepiest scenes in the movie to me it was this whole moment here 
Um, nothing even really happens, but he just goes upstairs by himself. There's a very, there's a nice shot of a dark hallway. At the end of it, we see him walk by, and he kind of looks into the dark, and you can tell he's nervous and scared. And then he walks into to, into Tomoko's room, where he just kind of stands there, and the music gets really creepy and atmospheric, and he just seems to kind of like, you know, take in the fact that like she's gone, like being in this mm-hmm. room where he used to play, and it is like a really sad unsettling scene on the second watch especially like there's something about it just really got to me yeah i have in my notes as well that he's wearing the shortest shorts yes he is yeah there's one shot he looks pantsless like completely (laughs) but yeah he's wearing tiny shorts like you're i thought you were out of wake what's going on (laughs) yes uh so we learned that mai who was the friend who was with uh tomoko she went crazy and has been institutionalized from the experience. We then This is one thing that neither version does. I wish we would go to the asylum to yeah. meet her. Oh, absolutely. That is, and that get, is just something that doesn't happen. Get in her mentally unstable words what what happened, right? Um yeah. we have uh uh Reiko is investigating some of the other victims who died at the exact same time and inc- including two of them who were in a car together. We get the first shot of one of the victims. Like they're kind of upside down with their mouth hanging open. It looks a little goofy. Like that shot in particular is kind of silly. I would say. Uh, there's a great line here. The they just started snogging. Yeah. Then they just died. There's a lot of British like slang and terms in this. Like later on, the subtitles say "mum" instead of "mom." Well, it probably just the translator. Yeah. And yeah. kind of working in that industry, it is always like subjective to a point. And yes. just yeah. that was probably the company they hired are British people. Right, exactly. Uh so Reiko gets some photos developed of Tomoko and of yeah, Tomoko and her friends. And we learn that uh anytime you take a photo after you've seen the videotape, your faces are all distorted. This is more of the Kensha projecting and altering things with your mind, right? Projecting. Uh, it's a pretty stuff cool on the film. Look, yes, yeah. It's pretty creepy. Oh yeah, even when she goes to get the photos, she's in Tomoko's room, and her mother comes in, her sister, right, and Areko's sister, and she talks about when she found the body in the closet. That's a great jump scare when it's a sudden. Yes. It's a sudden flashback that we don't exactly know is a flashback at the moment. And she rips the closet open and you find the mangled body inside. Like it's it's, it's done kind of the same way in in like the very fast cutting. Yeah. It's uh, very creepy. It just looks better. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but I really I really like that little scare. So she drives out to the cabin in Izu, where everyone stayed. Uh she's B4. looking around. Yes. Exactly. It's weird that there is also like english number and then they have like the other side is the japanese language iconography yeah um she finds like a like a notebook there with a bunch of children's drawings did this like i don't know what this is quite about do you remember this it's like a drawing of a family it's like my mom is fat my dad is fat therefore i am fat like what what is going on there? that was very weird i think it's just left over from another family that has been there like Maybe. i don't think it's part of the the kids that were staying there yeah it seemed like too young like the drawings were too childish to be from teenagers right right so she goes to talk to the clerk and she sees this tape that just kind of stands out on the shelf of vhs tapes uh she asks to see it the clerk is clueless and he's like i guess somebody left it here uh 
Um, she takes it back. And it's completely blank. Yes. That's the thing. It's just in a white sleeve. And it and seems... No, like, no markings. And yeah. it seems to kind of just call to her. She seems to just know that this is the tape. So she watches it, and this is where we well, see it. She goes into the cabin where the other kids were, like we were talking. Uh, I love... She takes her shoes off, which is a very Japanese thing, but I just think it's funny. She walked right in, shoes right off, continues yep. on. Um, and yeah, it's... It's a pretty good tape. I, yeah, I like these. Creepy. I, I like what they do with these things, yes. Uh, she's in... There's hesitation before she actually starts it. Because she knows, like... Well, I mean, this is what they say does it. So, like, yeah. am I... Am I gonna, like, pull out a gun at this point? And when it finishes, she's in a daze. Yeah. She's like... There's a trance from it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it It's very effective. Um... And I think I just I just I love the idea from a meta aspect, and it's something I hadn't really considered until I was watching it. But the idea of a video of like filmed events that kill you when you watch it, like it is such a great dare to the audience, and it's such a great device for horror because horror often operates on that sort of exact word of mouth of like this is something so scary, something so intense that you have to be brave in order to actually put it on. And that's the exact, like, reason, I think, why the tape is so alluring to people and why it works with teenagers, who seem to be the primary, like, you know, distributors of the idea and the story. Just as horror has always appealed to teenagers who want to dare people to watch something, right? Like, it's like, hey, we heard about something. We've heard about this movie, The Exorcist. We all got to go see this thing. And there's always those people who are like, well, I don't know. I, you know, I hear that it people are fainting. I hear people are getting sick watching it. I hear that the, mm-hmm. the movie itself is cursed. I think that's just from a, from a interest, it's an interesting meta thing to actually have your villain now use filmed events and filmed media to kill people. You know, it's like made literal. It's like if the exorcist did make right. you get possessed by a demon when you watch it, like, well, and you just made me think now it's like in a slight version like a tiktok trend yeah like that's the thing of doing it and then you you know you sweep your friend's legs and then they bust their skull and are now <laughs> paralyzed like it's a it's, it's a little <laughs> different but the same thing um you did also make me think of did you ever watch the masters of horror series that I, they did on showtime i have not seen ago? it no but i know like john carpenter um, did an episode right there is jo- the exactly the one that I'm talking about, John Carpenter's Cigarette Burns, which is about, uh, what's his name? Daryl Dixon, uh, Norman Reedus from there you go. De- Death Stranding, yeah, um, is hired by Udo Kier to go and find a film that when you watch it, it like incites the audience into like a murderous frenzy. Interesting. Hey, yeah. that's... Kind of a similar idea to the movie Demons too. Um, Demons as well, right? I haven't. I don't know yes. about Demons Two. I haven't seen Demons Two, but the similar thing. You watch this movie that is maybe cursed or like has some sort of weird effect on the audience watching it. So it's not an, a new idea, but the way it's presented in Ring or Ringu, I think does it really does feel like unique uh, to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, in terms of the actual content of the film, we see a woman in a mirror brushing her hair. This is Sadako's mother. We'll later learn the mirror disappears, which is a nice creepy shot. And uh, if you look closely, there's a reflection of Sadako in the mirror when it moves. Um, we have a weird, this is the craziest shot to me. 
the the people in the field like crawling like i don't know what yeah. is going on there but that to me is the spookiest part of this whole thing because it's so kind of hard to see you just kind of see shapes of people in grass like crawling on hands and knees like and that to me was really really uh uns- like, you know unnerving um we have some like japanese characters floating around like a page they say eruption uh, we learn later this is, this refers to a volcano in the town where Sadako and her mother are from. And then just a static shot of a well and maybe a figure starting to rise out of it before it ends. Yeah, that's the great thing about it is like we see it multiple times throughout the film, at least the very end of it. And it you're always seeing a little bit more of Sadako yeah. coming out. And that, that's such a great effect to it. Right after watching it, we have another really great scare where she's, again, she's rattled after seeing this. In the reflection in the TV, she sees Sadako standing behind her. And then when yeah. she turns, there's nothing there. I Great. She gets the phone that. call. Yes, and then I, the phone rings. I, yeah. I think one of the first shots, though, is a very kind of random one of Sadako's image, like probably dying image of in the well, and it's like, dark outside yes and it's just dark clouds right oh man there's some great shots in this movie dude like uh watching it again i i, I first time i watched it, it was right after work in the daytime and i liked it well enough and maybe my second watch was so great because i watched it in the dark and it mm-hmm. just it really fucking worked man like uh mm-hmm. so uh this is where after this uh, let me see. Oh, yes. She just brings in, uh, what's his name? San- Sandio uh, Ryu- Ryuji? Ryuchi, yeah. So, okay. Ryuchi. His introduction, though, is fucking great and leads into some of these crazier, or not crazier, but the more, like, subtle themes of parenting and parenthood that this movie is about. Right. Because we Him cut to, we cut to Yuichi walking in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. And, and they just, they both stop and stare at each other for a second. And Yuichi just... Keeps on. No walking. one says anything. When you first nope. watch this, you don't know at first that that's his father, and who knows when the last time he saw him was. And they just don't even acknowledge. They barely acknowledge each other. They just keep going. Um. um yeah. That, uh, that real quick, is really again, sorry to, to br- keep bringing yeah. in the that's new fine. one, yeah, but it, like it keeps. Uh, it takes place in Seattle, so it's always like kind of rainy, and it also has a weird matrixy look to it like it's got a weird early 2000s hue to it right uh but they do they use like seattle in such a a great way of the rainy city and i love that they do the same interaction and it's it's done so well in both of them yeah uh weirdly impactful not that long ago i watched the movie the vanishing which is great dutch movie a dutch french co-production i believe a uh, really good movie, uh, you know, sort of horror-based, uh, fantastic film. There's an American remake of that done by the same director, also set in Seattle. I don't know why that's a thing. You take this foreign movie, you bring it to the States, put it in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. You know, it's where Frasier is. Yeah, I was just going to say that, yes. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Everyone's just such big Frasier fans, yeah. So... He comes in and basically she's like asking as like, hey, uh, Yuichi's like in school, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, like first year. Grade one. Right. And she's like, isn't he like alone right now? <laughs> she's like, ah, he's used to it. <laughs> um, that 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 is a thing that keeps, you know, getting brought up. Like yes. She'll just call and be like, yeah, I'm going to be late. 
Exactly. Yeah. Uh, dinner's going to be in the fridge. Uh, Ryuchi takes her photo and her face is all distorted. And he's kind of like, uh, okay, I'm going to watch this thing for myself and see what's going on. And we learn that he's a teaching at a university now. Uh, he has the greatest head of hair. Like, his hair is fucking fantastic. It's Extremely handsome, like you said earlier. He could not, yeah. like, he looks so good in this movie. Um, I I don't know if you also picked up on the second watch. He comes in and he has a moment where you're like, "What what's going on? It's He is a psychic individual yeah. uh, to varying degrees, which is uh, something I'm like, I, they needed a little bit more. Or just not include it, but like uh, this is where the subtleness I, of this like one like oh yeah. like, something's off with me. So I, I watched this mirror hours before I saw Talk to Me, and it this is something that really jumped out in both movies of just this kind of lack of like explanation for supernatural like phenomena and events of just like in this one it's like okay a haunted videotape. We're doing a good job of setting it up. We have, like, the reporter investigating this, like, phenomena that's occurring that's killing these people, right? So we're spending time, like, maybe sort of explaining how the tape came to be, what it's about, how it works, right? No explanation or pretense for Ryuchi is psychic and can Uh... sense the dead and can view people's past if he touches objects and people. Like, it's pretty crazy, it seems to just be a commonly accepted fact in this world that, like, yeah, psychics this, exist. Well, you know, with with the haunted videotape, you have to, like, give a little right. explanation. We've seen psychics for years and years and years, so it's nothing anyone's going to, like, come to. Unless, unless like, Blue Beetle is the first movie you watch, <laughs> and then Ringu is the second movie you watch. Like, you're probably, yeah. like, again, I haven't seen Blue Beetle. Maybe a character's a psychic. Could be. But it, it's... You're going to have some context for this idea. Right. And But I love that it is so subtle in the beginning. Yes. Because and as it goes after, on. Yeah. And then shortly after he it, like learns the tape. It becomes sit- a little less impactful yeah. for me. It's like it's too showy. Yes. Almost. I, I agree. He's sitting at a bench pretty shortly after this and he sees some feet approach him. This is a spirit. I think it's Tomoko who is coming to him. Right. Because they mentioned later. Oh, okay. yeah. We felt her. Uh, and then we learned that Tomoko was talking to Yuichi, who seems to have inherited some of his abilities. Um, yep. So uh, Takano comes in when they're talking more about the tape, and we learn that he is probably fucking his student because she's like a student of his. Oh, yeah. She's incredibly yeah, yeah. jealous, right? And uh, I love that, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, this is my ex wife. So she's clearly jealous and fucks up his equation on the chalkboard after they leave. That's very funny. Um, we learn about a phrase that is being said in, in the video, frolic in brine, goblins be thine. Really strange. I'm assuming goblins is the translation of something like Kappa, which is like a sort of Japanese water demon, right? So like, oh, okay. I, I'm assuming it's a weird, go- it's a weird translation thing. Goblins seems like such a specific choice for this. That yeah, they to do me is try to, you know, relate it back to a children's, right. you know, nursery rhyme, I think. Yes. And so it kind of just seems like when you tie it to, like, the water element in the beginning and then later on with Sadako's mother talking to the sea, it seems to sort of imply that they were consorting with some sort of demonic spirit or entity in the ocean, right? That's maybe a possibility as to why they have powers. I don't know. 
it, it's never discussed <laughs> that much, but I was trying to think of like what the hell is the deal with the ocean in this. But if it's a portal to the underworld and her mother is constantly talking to it, then it could be that like this is an explanation as to how their powers came to be. But I don't know. Well, it's always an interesting thing, especially like in the place where you know they're from. You know, the sea is where I'm sure a lot of like the business is is the fishing right. industry, absolutely, and everything. So it's part of it, like life, and then people die out there. So it's it's death as well. So it's just a continual. It's like a light. Um, it's a both a life bringer and a destroyer. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. and it's something that your society, or not not whole society, but like your but community, it's a, it, it's a big has factor, been yeah. based around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryuji basically is like, hey, you're you might be dying in a few days. Spend some fucking time with your son. I'm gonna go investigate this. Right. And what does she do? Drop him off <laughs> at her father's. Go to grandpa's house. Yes. Yeah, hey, you can deal with it. You can go fishing with him. So uh, she gets a call a bit later that Yamamura, who's Sadako's mother, was a psychic and predicted a volcanic in, uh, eruption um, in the town where that saying is from. So that's also why you have the eruption word there. In the middle of the night, Reiko wakes up to find Yuichi watching the tape. And he well, says she's she's having her own like psychic connection. Yes. She's being haunted by Sadako. And then so she has this feeling. So she goes into the room. Right. And it is the very end of the tape. And it is, again, just a little bit more of yeah. Sadako coming out of the well. It's a it's great foreshadowing and foreboding. Incremental yeah. like change in it. It's great. I really like uh, her acting when she freaks out and like grabs him and is like you know why did you do this like what's going on and he says tomochan told me to watch it so yeah i really like nanako uh matsushima she starts off a little like blase about everything but then as things kind of ramp up she really does get pretty intense and like i think she does a great job by the end of it so like i said she is almost nonchalant in the beginning but she's also extremely beautiful oh gorgeous yeah the pairing she really does rival Naomi Watts in that regard. Yeah, the pairing of her and Hiroyuki Sonata, that is a handsome Oof. ass couple, totally. Yeah. You yeah. would think the kid would be a little cuter. Oh, but, come on, uh, he's a kid. He's pretty adorable. Eh. Um, I did learn that later on. I mean, we'll talk about the ending. I'll talk about it after after we get to the ending, I suppose. Um so we learned that Yamamura committed suicide after the media turned against her and started defaming her. Uh, she was kind of famous for predicting this this eruption. I think she it managed to save some people, but then they kind of started to be like, "Hey, she's a fraud, or she's like demonic, she's evil," and this sort of and drove her up a wall. We um, start hearing about the doctor, yes, Zuzio, Doctor Akuma, yeah, Akuma, yeah. yes, who uh, is Samara's father? Yes, or not Samara, the Sadako. Samara is the English He's version. probably your father. It's it's right. It's like basically all but confirmed that he's her father. I think there's yes. a slight implication of even more going on there with the daughter in a fucked up way. But I oh, well, that I, he's probably like yeah, yeah, like assaulting her as well. Yeah, like I think right. that is uh, again one of the more like subtextual things that yes. they're getting on is is good parents or not even like 
bad parents but then even worse parents yes and just like the the idea of what it could lead to right we talk about in the other our past episodes we've i've mentioned of talking about ghosts about like a haunting is like a trauma that's that's you know being persisted beyond death right and so the the, the trauma of child abuse like in this yeah. possibly something worse you know it, it it could have a powerful effect like this um I, I'm saying it actually can in real life. I believe this. If you assault it, a child, it, they will come back from beyond the dead and kill you via videotape. It's going to happen. If only. Yeah. So but it it is something that I, a previous relationship was a social worker and just like yeah. the amounts of, of trauma that like is haunting. Not yeah. only for those children, but like the people who deal and hear about that trauma it yeah. is it is affecting like it is a poison it is poisoning the well of society oh damn oh damn okay now we're now we're cooking here man now <laughs> we're cooking with gas i just had a long conversation at work today with some coworkers about uh i w- i was very lucky my parents never used like physical pain or physical harm as a uh as an incentive or a parenting technique. I got spanked like once, I think. Yeah, I, it was pretty, it was not a thing in my life, but I was talking to uh, my coworkers who all got it much worse than I did. Uh, let me tell you some horrific stuff that they were talking about with a smile today. But I remember when my parents used to do this and I'm just like, holy shit. Like that is real shocking to me. Yeah. Um, hey, next time you're thinking of beating your child, maybe just, I don't know. Share, have a get, beer have a beer buy them an ice cream cone <laughs> instead i don't know you know realize that they're a kid and there's just some things that are beyond their control and some things that like hey they're still learning you know they're young humans anyway I, well we get to sadako being a real bitch like she <laughs> kills people look yeah this is me this is a little different just thinking about it and like uh yeah yeah okay so yes uh they they're going to her hometown uh, where Sadako and Yamamura, her mother, are from, uh, they they were experimented on by a Dr. Ikuma, who was sort of infamous. He, even, like, Ryuchi's like, hey, you might know this guy. He's, like, kind mm-hmm. of a known figure. Um, they meet uh, Yamamura's brother, whose name is uh, Takashi, who I really like, too. This actor playing him does a really good job of, like, just being, like, kind of, like, haunted by his past, right? And, like, his role in this, even. Because he was the first one to learn about her psychic powers and then he was the first one to try to make money off of it and yeah. kind of told everybody about Gave it, it to the newspapers right? yeah so uh we have some i love that scene on the beach where ryuchi is like is kind of confronting him about this um there's some other you know it's pretty quick after they get there that this is like happening oh, and did you say that's her brother i always assumed that was just the Sadako's grandfather. It's it's Yama it's Yamamura's brother. According to uh, so this okay. is according to Wikipedia. So I sort of missed how in both times I was watching it, I missed how he was related. According to I think it was the Ring Wiki. There's a Ring Wiki I was reading for this. Oh, of course, I think I think he's he's uh, Sadako's uncle. Okay, yeah. But we have the weird. We see we go into the home and right. we see the mirror. Yes, that's a that's a pretty great shot. Like that's a great know, shot. The, the, familiarization yeah and i think it's around this time too where there's a there's a great argument scene when they're eating dinner between ryuchi oh, fantastic and uh and reiko yeah so good ryuchi has the devastating line of like 
what are we doing? Why do we even have a child? We shouldn't have had a kid. Like, and he's like freaking out about it. We should it. end this line. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, he's like, we're going to die in a couple of days. Like, we have to fucking figure this out. And she's crying and being like, I need you to be with me when I die so you can use that info to save Yoichi. Like, it's really And they're heavy being stuff. really loud. Yeah. And then, like, the woman running the hotel is just like, hey, can I talk and to you And that's when you remember that doors in Japan are literally paper thin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so on the beach, he touches... Uh, the uncle's arm and he was able to literally see a psychic demonstration that Yamamura was doing where somebody called her out as a fraud and then when the guy was killed mysteriously in front of everybody they learned that Sadako can kill people with her mind this is a little much like yeah it's exposition but it's uh, I guess the psychic vision version of it uh which is a little maybe too sterile a little sterile, a little very convenient for the story. Um, you know, it's like, it, this is kind of framed as a, as a detective story a little bit. But it's like, when you have, like, psychics who just see the truth of the past, like, it kind of loses a, de- a detective sort of edge to it, you know? Right. And uh, I will say it again, the American version treats it more like a mystery. That's It's yeah. like, this was 95 minutes. I believe American version is... 155 okay so there is that 20 extra minutes uh you get more you get a lot more i don't know if you know this but brian cox is in the movie i did know that he's he's really good uh in his little bit i have an uh, idea of who he might play and i think it's a good casting for that if if i'm correct i don't know he he's got some great deliveries just like throughout his little bits um but no and then they they do talk a lot about like you know living on an island yeah. Like where the they're from in the in the American version. And I think they don't capture that as much. Maybe that's just understood in Japanese society, like kind of how almost secluded each of their, you know, little communities are. But right. um it needed to be, you know, verbalized in the yeah. remake. Uh we discovered there's like finger marks on Reiko's arm, which like is the visualization of the curse. Um which is one problem I do have when okay. we get to the end of this, I'll yes. I'll come back to it. Uh, we have a very sad moment where Reiko is just having a breakdown because she's like just not getting any info that she thinks is going to help them, right? Any any kind of inclination as to like what is going to like save her or her son, and she's just crying next to the phone. It's a very heavy, sad moment, um, and it's a really good shot too with the for- the phone kind of in the foreground and then her like you know her her face right there. And uh, she then kind of just has that breakthrough of like, well, you know, Ryuchi never got a phone call, right? I got a call at the cabin. Everyone else who died got a phone call at the cabin, right? Mm -hmm. That's where the ring happened. Also, it was through reading a letterbox review where I learned that the ring could refer to the phone ringing. Something I had never considered. Ever thought about that as well? But that is, yeah, a fun one. Yeah, Uh, I always thought it was like the ring of quotes. Well, but yeah, that's yeah, exactly because that's what you see. I didn't write down a lot of quotes because you know it's Japanese translation. One I did write down is "mushi mushi." Oh yes, which is how you answer the phone. Said a lot in this. Totally. Yeah, "mushi mushi." Yeah, on that front too, on the "mushi" front because it's a similar word. I don't know how related it is in terms of a word. But I, I mentioned how the original ghost story is is uh, about a woman named Okiku, right? That's who it's about, like the woman who was in a well. There's a Japanese 
folkloric creature called an okikomushi, which is a type of caterpillar that is said to look like a woman strung up, which part of the original story is that she was strung up over the well and dipped into it repeatedly as a form of like water torture. Ooh. So there's a bug that's supposed to look like a woman with like a woman's face, like partly in a cocoon, that's called an okikomushi. So this this ghost story goes beyond into other forms of folklore monster stuff too. Yeah. What is it like Rule Thirty Four? I'm gonna have to do some googling. <laughs> oh after no! This. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> um, I don't you know. You just opened ever... a whole new door. I don't know if you ever played the video games um, Onimusha. I think it's what they were called. They were kind no. of like a samurai action game from Capcom. Uh, but I'm pre- you fight a bunch of Japanese like demons and monsters in that. I'm pretty sure I fought one of those caterpillar women in that once. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway. <laughs> Just like a Mortal Kombat uh, female character. Kinda. It could be. Yeah, there's, there's bug <laughs> ladies in that. Yeah. So there's, a typhoon is trapped on the island, but the old man Takashi, he says he'll take them. And he's like, hey, maybe Sadako wants me dead for what I did. This would be kind of be giving her what she wants and, and therefore doing penance for my the part I played in this. On the boat ride back, Ryuchi explains that Akuma had a relationship with Yamamura that caused a scandal. And he's probably Sadako's father. Uh, yeah, that he was married, had children, and yes. this was one of the reasons he got fired as right. well. exactly. So underneath, the, uh, they make it back to the cabin pretty quickly. Underneath the cabin, they break through a wall where they find a, like, a little basement area where there is a sealed up well. One of the things, uh, as I was watching it the second time, as they're, you know, he has an axe and he is going through like the fencing. Yeah. Um, it's kind of loud. I thought it would have been real funny if they had done like a Last Crusade bit, <laughs> where, like, you know, with the, with the guy with the stamp. Yes. Like, if you just had the guy running the place. Just the clerk like, upstairs, yeah. Do, like, stapling or something. He's like, oh, man, that's That's, that's one of my, that's one of my that favorite dumb Spielberg gags is that scene. It, that is so stupidly funny to me. Yeah. That whole movie is yes. funny. Like, it is his comedy masterpiece. Uh, yeah, exactly. Every scene it just ends with a punchline. Yep. Ah, Venice. Pratt Falls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Joke lines. Like, it's it's so good. So they touch the well and they see the flashback of uh, of Ikuma bludgeoning Sadako in the head and throwing her down the well. A little ruined the by the funniest the sound goofy, Yes, the goofy thump noise as he does it. Like, like, like a, it's, it's so, it's so silly. Yeah. It, it needs to, like sell that moment and that is a detriment to this movie uh, she may as well have cartoon birds circling her head and then like she likes, <laughs> like roger rabbit like, and then she likes no, cut they were yes. supposed to be stars and then it she says in the script <laughs> and then she walks into like the air over the well realizes there's no ground beneath her and then falls like that's that's how it should have played out um yeah so they open the well up, they go down into it, Ryuchi starts bucketing water out to find her corpse. I guess the idea is just Idiots. that, like, if you find it and put it to rest or something, right? Or, like, you yeah, learn the truth. Yeah, well, that's the only thing that they have. But again, right. that's the the dumbest way, because it's going to be so much more physical exertion right. to pull up those buckets. The guy with all the muscles, I mean, he's not that tall, but, like... Yeah you're 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 more physically built to pull up the buckets yeah and they, no let's leave it to the lady right uh reiko is kind of losing strength 
and Ryuchi has to like give her a, a final pep talk and be like, hey, you go down there. Your son's life is at risk. Our child's life is at risk. You need to do this well, for him, we're, basically. We're on the clock as well. Yeah, it's, We are getting exactly a week. Coming up to it, yep. And yep. She, she said it was like a couple minutes after seven. Yes. And so there's points where, you know, she's doing all this physical exertion, bringing up the water yeah. and looking at the sunset and realizing like, I have... I have so little time left. What am I doing? There, there's a creepy atmosphere to this basement, but I don't think this is the most exciting climax of this movie. You know, like I, I like the moment coming up right here where she does find the body. I think this is a really great moment. Um, but in yeah. terms of like the actual what's happening, I'm like I don't really feel the tension of it too much. You know. Well, we'll get to it, but I think this is a a false climax. It is. That's true. Selling us. That that's a great point. That that's that is true. Because um, yeah, we'll we'll get to it. Um, she eventually goes down, and it is, it is the one like trying to you know um, bring up the buckets and find her. She finds the corpse, and it is a it grabs her arm. glorious yeah effect. Amazing! The, it looks awesome. Of it peeling away from her skull, and then the gooey eyes, the oozy skeleton, like, yes, great, so good. Um, I really like that moment. That's and it, it's it's strangely tender but she hugs sadako's body she like takes the skeleton this oozing skeleton and brings it close and like cradles it and yeah it is this idea that like, this vengeful spirit maybe and look this turns out to not be true but like maybe all it needs is like a little like love like a motherly sort of love right have we even seen her hug her own child no, and not she's at all hugging a corpse her 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 fucking niece died her like son's <laughs> her son's like playmate and friend and she's just kind of like uh okay gives him well, a pat on the back yeah hey i'm going off to this cabin to like research this death tape i'll see you later yeah um uh happy hours in 20 minutes i got a boogie <laughs> yeah exactly so she comes out of the well Ryuchi's like hey we did it it's it's past the time like we we beat we did it right they're sitting. They're sitting I believe outside. at this point the marks on her arm disappear. disappear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that's it. We won, right? Uh, but then we go back to Ryuchi's apartment where he's like kind of walks in and he kind of laughs. He's doing some work. He's writing in English, which that's the other part that jumped out to me as kind of interesting. <laughs> um, then he's kind of like, "Oh, you dummy!" And he turns around and he corrects the equation on the chalkboard because he finally sees how that it's fucked up right changes the minus symbol to a plus and then he's kind of like ah ha ha and then <laughs> the tv turns on and this is such a stunning fucking moment this is incredible yeah. like i this is the moment that really cemented this movie i think as like a phenomenon right and yes because again we were sold a false climax oh yeah and now we get the real scare of the movie oh yeah um so the tv turns on and it's the shot of the well again and this time not only does sadako make it out of the well she makes it out of the fucking tv it's a great effect it looks so good like especially for the budget like her emerging from the tv looks so seamless and then when she puts her hands down on the floor and you see the no fin- the lack of fingernails that gives right, me which was in the well. Yeah, yeah, so we see her fucking fingers embedded in the sides of the well, which is super creepy. But to see like the fake hands with the no fingernails here, 
it's clearly a prop hand. It's fate, you know, like you can kind of tell. There's stuff on top of it, right? Yes. But it still gives me chills even just thinking about it right now. You know, that like that's just one thing that the ghost held on to is the lack of fingernails. And she stands up and she does her creepy walk towards him. It was shot in reverse, right? And she's kind of doing it like um so this is something very common in the movie Ron too, but the actors take inspiration from No Theater, N O H which is a very distinctive style of Japanese theater and performance, right? That's very kind of like stilted and theatrical and big and large and like small movements. So the actress was moving like that backwards and then they play it in reverse and it creates a very particular effect. We have, to me, the shot of the movie is the close-up of the eye with like that burning hatred between the hair because the hair is in front of her. We see no features of her face. To suddenly see yeah, that which is eye shot, the poster. Yes, yeah, it it, it is so or some such of the posters, a stunner. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Oh, fucking brilliant, amazing stuff. Uh, Ryuchi seems to be like sort of freaking out and like in a trance as this is all happening. He can't do anything. He's just like screaming as this is all happening. He can't seem to escape, and he gets negatived just like the girl in the beginning. Um, which again, maybe a little lackluster actual conclusion to it, but it, it's, the, uh, it, but, the, but the scare yeah, of yes. her coming out of the TV is worth it. A quick question. You, you brought up an idea in my mind and I guess it, it goes down to the fingernail thing is if we were to become a ghost, is it just whatever we are as we're dying? Is it, uh, like in Frighteners, like that, those are just the clothes they were wearing, yeah. When they died. I I think right? it's I think it's my guess I, I have no idea. My guess is that it's something to do with your mental mental depiction or projection of yourself. Mm. You know? Cause I, it wouldn't make any sense. Really, you should be naked, right? Because like, you know, your clothes well, no, don't it's, die it's with what, you. It's whatever physical attributes you had on at the time, your hair. But like I, I you know, we're not going to have naked ghosts. Come on, Greg. This Why is don't not we? my dream. <laughs> Why don't we? That's Come our on. That's our pitch. But there's many movies that have been birthed out of this podcast that we're going to write, and one of them will just be Naked Ghosts. That's the entire concept. Naked Ghosts. Yeah. Right. I'm sure something has done it already. I'm sure it's already been done. But anyway. I think he was in that one, actually. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, hey, to wrap it up, <laughs> Richie's dead. Uh, we learn about this from the grad student, right, um, who discovered his body. And uh, Reiko, she starts getting a little bit of help from his spirit, which appears as, like, him with a sheet over Great. his head. Yeah. Great. It's it's one of the, like, quick flashes in the video as well. It's right. a person with a, a sheet, like a, a kitchen towel. Right. Almost, just covering themselves pointing i didn't do any kind of research into that but that strikes me as some sort of like japanese folklore thing too maybe that would be an interesting thing to look up to but i think something that we never even mentioned is that she made a copy of the film for him right uh, and gave it to him for to to watch then here's a voice tell her um which what is that voice who is that voice is it one of the students she's interviewing maybe uh isn't it no it's Tomoko? Tomoko. Oh, yes, that makes sense. It's Tomoko. Yeah, okay. Tomoko tells her, like, basically the only way to get rid of the curse is to copy it and give it to somebody else. 
And so the movie ends with her calling her own father and being like, yeah. hey, you got to do something for Yuichi, which is so fucking dark. Yeah. Like, but it also is her making the ultimate sacrifice, one of the ultimate sacrifices for her child. Like, she's going to be right. there for her son and she will kill her own father horribly if he need if she needs to. Well, and it's always the thought of, you know, the old have to die for the new to prosper yeah like that is just part of it it's it's the problem that we have in america right now when like most of our uh, elected officials are geriatrics and like yeah you know if, if they went we might be a little bit better but that's the idea that uh there's there's going to be progress with the new generation and we need to do everything we can to protect them look give them as much time on this planet as we can how do we know Mitch didn't freeze because he'd watched a videotape a week before? It could be <laughs> happening right now. Oh, yeah. It was, no, I didn't shit my pants. No, it was Sadako. And he's I'm telling you. He does strike me as the type of person who would immediately mail a, a copy of it to every constituent he has like, to save himself. <laughs> just like, oh, I got yeah, a, just to a, Nancy, a tape to send you guys. Attention, yeah. Nancy Pelosi. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's Ringu. I really enjoy it. I really liked it a lot more the second. I not a lot. I already really liked it the first time I watched it, but it kind of went up a whole other went up a whole level for me on the second watch. Um, and hey, let's get into further details on my rating as we like segue into our final thoughts. What are we rating this out of Murph? Any ideas? I mean, haunted videotapes is right there yeah. on the table. Uh, Wells. Is there buckets uh, of water? Bo- you got gooey eyes. <laughs> Boxes of Ritz crackers. Bo- hey, I love a, I love a good Ritz cracker. Me too, man. When I went to the uh, hot sauce festival this past Sunday or Saturday, I went with a sleeve of Ritz crackers. So I'm like, okay, just you know, pour, oh, that's, pour that's it like, on there. That's such a good idea. Because so many like we keep going and year after year we get better at it. It's like okay, yeah. okay, we're gonna bring that. Um, because just taking hot sauce straight to the dome is very hard after a while. Well, quickly, what describe the best hot sauce you had there? There was was there one that especially stood out? What was it? Like? Uh, I ended up buying five. A friend of mine bought seventeen. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, I I I usually go with the habanero ones. I really like that. Yeah. Uh, I got a really good Alabama white barbecue sauce that is also spicy that has like ghost pepper powder. Oh. in it okay so hey ghost pepper there you go perfect perfect, perfect uh, for all ghosts uh. hell yeah oh awesome man hey all right uh so we're doing grits crackers i guess as our rating system okay great i love and it and i'll begin as the host the guy who picked uh ringu so i i really enjoyed this it felt great to finally cross this one off my list like and i still have to watch american ring i still have to watch juan i still have to watch the grudge because like I've talked about it a lot on several podcasts I've appeared on, but, like, the trailers for The Grudge were, like, the bane of my existence as a kid. Like, the American Rook of The Grudge scared me so bad, just the concept of it, seeing it, and then seeing images of the original, of Sadako, of the Grudge people. Their faces in general look just really fucking terrified me and gave me nightmares. And I wouldn't say this movie, like, scared me, but it is still pretty chilling, I think. There's still a lot to it that, like, is rather unsettling and getting at something very interesting. It's got a really cool place, both in, like, modern film history, in Japanese folklore tradition, like, and as, like, a comment on burgeoning technologies and the advancement of technology and, like, 
I just like, you know, oh, hey, the horror comes into a new age. Now we have cursed videotapes. Like, it is like something that just kind of is, that works for me. I think it's a really well-made movie. Um, performances are fucking great with uh, Ryuji Takayama, uh, sorry, Hiroyuki Sanada really standing out. And um, I think it's got a really fascinating, like, sort of moral story to it about parenting, about being, like, an attentive parent, right? And, like, realizing that how you treat your child is going to have, like, some sort of impact on future generations. Like, you know, there's maybe a little bit of, like, a conservative nature to that as well. Of Like, you have to, like, you know, be on your kid's ass or else they get into trouble and do things like go make out in a car. You know, I don't know if that's yeah. like labeling that as bad. But not behavior. being a neglected, neglectful parent, I right. think is is really yes. the that's kind really of message the it's thing. getting at. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I, I also think I, I read some interpretation of it criticizing Reiko for being like a working single mother. You no, know? I guess, I guess what you're saying, it is a very conservative thing of like not having that nuclear fam, like the closed circuit family, right. is yes. detrimental to everybody, right. Um, but hey, as far as I can tell, like, I, I think for the most part, I think you're right. I think it is more just about being a neglectful parent. Um, I, I, I think that's kind of a stretch to say it's like being conservative. I don't know. Anyway, I was saying that later on in the franchise, Yuichi does become a central character as an adult. Um, okay. So he awesome. survives. In the novels, we also learn, I don't know if this is any of the movies. I'm very curious. But apparently, no, spoiler. I want to read these books. So, so. Oh, this is a big one. It, unless it's, it's fun, crazy. Can I? Okay, go for it. Eventually, someone learns they are a clone of Ryuji, of Yuichi's father. Oh. He gets he gets cloned. We get into clone territory. Wow. Oh yeah. There's also a lot of nonsense about the origins of Sadako and where exactly she this all these abilities came from that I won't go into. It seems fucking crazy, though. Hey, every franchise jumps the shark at some point. This so. one seems to have done it immediately. Yes. Yeah. Um, it started above. It started like 10 feet in the air above the shark already. Yeah. Um, anyway, all this said, I, I'm going for Boxes of Ritz Crackers. 4.2. I'll go a little higher. I think that it's oh, a wow. really impressive film, and I can really see why it became so iconic. And I'm very excited to see the American remake, because like there's room for improvement for sure. But on a whole, I really enjoyed this, and I'm very happy to have finally seen it. And I'll, I'll again try not to get so much into my opinions of the American, which I, I do really enjoy uh, comparatively. But it, this one is so powerfully inventive. And I think we really have kind of struck upon, um, it's the modernization of storytelling, is that we always have like those central three kind of beats of a story, but we have to update them at from time to time. Um, it's very interesting talking about like, I think it was Soderbergh in a interview or like a, a essay that he wrote talking about how, you know, the best time... Uh, time period to put a film in is like before cell phones because cell phones have changed yeah. everything there are so many plot points of like i cannot immediately communicate with this person and that is causing a miscommunication right or just just a uh an, a, again plot point to be able to I, yeah. further the story i can't That's call how for it help right now right exactly, exactly. yeah yeah 
Um, so it's it's an interesting thing to think about, like almost in the way that Talk to Me does it with like TikTok. That that's that's the enticing thing. It's a trend. It's right. something that you're seeing. You want to be a part of. It looks exciting. Um, Which that movie kind of like fumbles that whole idea by the end. I think, yeah, it does. It does. But I'm very interested in like how those things are going to be used in future movies. It's also I was talking to someone else about. Uh, I think it was just on Reddit comments about um, what Hitchcock would be doing if if he was alive today. And that was my review for missing the you know the weird uh, takes place on a on a you know a laptop. Yeah. It's all digital thing. That's exactly what he would be doing. And I think this is one of those movies that kind of like was starting to push um, storytelling in that in that way to like bring it up to date. I think both of the leads are phenomenal. They're very stellar. They're gorgeous such a cute couple like i would love to see them in more movies together like as kind of like a power even in real life that'd be like fantastic too no i thought you were were going with i thought you were gonna say i I would like to see them do something else i'm like oh okay that goes without saying i don't know if i disagree Uh, but i don't need to be vocalized yeah well again i had seen oppenheimer and (laughs) one of the reviews i was um i was listening to was talking about that scene with Florence Pugh in uh, the security clearance meeting thing. Right. And the idea of you talk about two people having sex and your mind immediately goes to those two people having sex. You picture And so it. Yeah. everybody in the room is thinking about that at that same time. Yep. And just the way that she's looking at Emily Blunt. Like, it's so... It's such a great way to, you know, convey... Uh, vulnerability but also just like how strikingly uh offensive it is to yes. think about someone else doing that yeah absolutely yeah um on, it's got on, a great tone on Go that ahead. front a little bit that reminds me of a point i wanted to make about this the idea of like anyone who dares to watch the tape like um you know then dies right is cursed to die and it's like well what is so bad about watching the tape that you deserve to be killed? But it is this idea of like an invasion of, of Sadako's sort of like personal life, right? Like maybe she projected her own thoughts onto this tape, but anyone who is willing to watch it is somebody who's curious enough to like invade the privacy and like the trauma of Sadako that is filmed for people to see, you know, like maybe she created it in a way, but is this idea of like, you think you're watching I don't know. This idea of like anyone who's like it's voy- for kicks. who's voyeuristic enough to want to see it. Yes. Right. It's for right, kicks. But that, That's what I'm trying to say. That yeah. also comes back to the talk to me thing is like these people are disturbing the dead to like yeah. a couple laughs. Exactly. To feel yes. like to feel more alive. Like you right. get to taunt the dead person by letting them into your body for 90 seconds and that's a little bit what's happening here of like you have these younger people who are like oh it's a dare to like play around with the possibility of being fucking killed by a ghost like psychically yeah and to them it's a game right it's something you tease your friends about and like even when when she's interviewing the students nobody's heartbroken about it everyone's just like i hear it's what happens like that's the that's the rumor like i don't know you know you get the sense that any of them would try it if they were like with a bunch of friends and like it was you know 
it was kind of going around of like, hey, we have the tape. Everyone would be like, okay, let's, let, all right, I'm not a coward. Yeah, let's see it. I'm keeping interrupting you. I'm sorry. <laughs> let's, yeah. No, 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 that's fine. Uh, I think the only last note I really have is it, it really is a, uh, a visually stunning movie for like how low budget it is. There's so many great shots. Um, I think the uh, Ryuji dead with the kitchen towel on his face like just pointing yeah is is so striking and it, it is one of those things that like i will uh forever come back to like i think that is such a great image yeah that they have captured it's like silent hill uh, imagery or something yeah yes 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 uh i'll go uh 4.0 nice. i think 4.0 ritz cracker boxes is um is well off i i'll go ahead and give my review of the american version i give it a 4.7 it's really good okay it's so much better um it's kind of shocking how much better yeah i'm very excited to watch it i it's gonna happen in the next couple days i think um i would say tonight but i just learned something i have to run to immediately after this we're done recording so uh okay well not to hurry you along no no we can wrap up no 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 that's fine that's fine um well that's for August, we have five weeks, so we get to be graced with another Thank ghost goodness. story. Um, we're gonna go a little bit more. I'm trying to. I don't even know. Sorry, I'm I'm bad at this. I don't. No, that's all good. When it comes out, I think it's late '90s, right? I th- believe it's '99. Let's see. Nope, that's not how you spell that. '99. Uh, I was right. Okay, so we are going to 1999. We're gonna have. Uh, a little bit of bacon. And there's a lot of orange juice in this movie. We're going to watch <laughs> Stir of Echoes. Uh, directed o- OJ, by David Kep. OJ Simpson's huh? in this? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. o- o- orange juice. I, yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not a lot of other big people. That, you know, Kevin Dunn, who you might hey, remember. Right. Yeah, he yeah, was in I Ghostbusters 2. Oh, I know Kevin He's, Dunn. I lo- yeah. I love him in Ghostbusters 2. He's the psychic in the beginning. He's like, right. I have a, a very strong feeling <laughs> the world will end. Um, It's one that I've always really enjoyed. So I'm excited to share it with you. You've never seen this one, right? I have not. I have not. Okay. It's, uh, it's a fun ghost story. So uh, we'll do that next week for August. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. We have email, weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. Both threads and Instagram, both at weeklymassacre. Greg is Anderson 19 On Letterboxd, I am Murfinturf. So please hit us up. Let us know if you've ever been thrown down a well. <laughs> if you've ever thrown someone down a well. Yeah. Or if you have a child that you leave alone for long periods of time, let us know so we can call CPS on you. Yes, please. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes. And uh, as always, mushy mushy. Imagine I'm stirring. I'm a. I'm wearing a witch's hat and stirring a big cauldron. Frolic and brine, goblins be thine. That's all I could think of any time they said it. Amazing. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>